welcome to Wadcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Women Around Town. Esther Cohen is a writer, teacher, and activist. We could speak with Esther about a multitude of topics, including the work she does with Bread and Roses, the country's premier labor union culture program. We will have to get back to her for that interview. But today we're going to speak with her about her writing, specifically her poetry. Besides her novel, Book Doctor, and her nonfiction books, she's published two books of poetry. Her poems have appeared in literary journals like Alimentum and First Word, in the New York Times, and on the NPR radio show On Being. Esther is constantly writing, and she posts a poem a day on her website. We publish poems in our Poets' Corner on Woman Around Town, and we have had the honor of publishing several of Esther's poems in that space. Maybe you've thought about writing poetry, but have no idea how to get started. Or maybe you have a journal somewhere and wonder if you could get your poems published. Well, we're going to talk about all of that with Esther. She's our guide on this poetry journey. Esther, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm very excited to be with you. So tell us when you first started to write poetry. You know, actually, I'm one of those people who wrote poems as a little girl, and I think I uh, liked poems because they weren't as hard as sentences. It was just a few words going down the line. And, um, I, you know, sometimes I wonder why I knew that and how I knew that, and I think it's because my grandmother used to read me books of poems, and she read me a um, poem that I memorized when I was a very young child. Someday Jane shall have, she hopes, rainbows for a skipping rope. And I uh, wanted those rainbows to jump on, and it stuck in my head, and I wanted to write them too. Oh, that's that's really nice. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us heard poems when we were very young, and they stayed with us, and and um, at different points in life, we many people have the impulse to actually write their own poems, and I hope we all do. That is interesting, because I know a lot of the children's books, certainly the ones I remember and the ones I read my children were, were poems, so that certainly... Absolutely. So how has your work evolved since then? Um, well, I'd, I'd like to tell you that it has seriously evolved, but I don't think it actually has. I think I've always been enormously interested in people and what they do as subject matter for my poems. You know, most poets have clear subject matter. Some people write about nature, and some people write about love, and some people write about war, and some people write about politics, and, uh, most of us are kind of locked in in that way, and for myself, it's always been people and stories. Ever since I was a child, I I love the stories that people tell and how they tell them, and I've always tried hard to uh, have my poems tell stories. So, for example, you know, I, I post a poem a day on a blog called EstherCohen.com, and Today's poem is a true story about a man I met who told me that his name was actually Jeff, but he called himself Jim, and he was inspired by his 
uncle whose name was Saul, but he called himself Paul. And I found all that so incredible. It seemed enormously poetic because Jeff and Jim and Saul and Paul are two people, not four, and there they were with four identities. And there was kind of a oh Henry punchline here, too, because uh, Saul was a hairdresser. Saul, called Paul, was a hairdresser. And he continued to be a hairdresser into his 80s, and he died while dyeing someone's hair. <laughs> so it just seemed, from a language point of view, that utopian kind of thing to be a poem. Well, and I was about to ask you where your ideas come from, and certainly that's a good example. But do you find just everyday living, you're always thinking of poems? Absolutely. And I think for so many of us, everyday living is so full of the minor incidents of everyday life. You know, so many of my poems, I have a house in upstate New York in a tiny little town, and there are only 400 residents, and each resident is a complete poem. You know, it's it's Dante, it's Chaucer, it's everything right in this little, tiny little space. And I did a whole series based on things that happened at the supermarket called Price Chopper Poems. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do they sell that at Price Chopper? <laughs> no, they. I didn't publish Price Chopper Poems, but I should, yes. and I should <laughs> sell them at Price Chopper. But, you know, I also... I teach uh, writing in the country also in my first class many, many years ago. I wanted to, uh, I teach in the city, at, I teach in colleges and also in non-traditional environments. And here I wanted anyone who wanted to write a poem to be able to come and write one. So I, my first class was at a supermarket called Slater's Supermarket. And the only criteria was you had to shop at Slater's, which every single person does. You know, it's <laughs> the local, local supermarket. And my class was in the canned goods aisle. <laughs> and, and, and people saw that you could really write a poem about anything. You know, they, they were worried that they had to know a lot about history or science or language or meter or rhythm or... Shakespeare, even Shakespeare, you know, Shakespeare always intimidates people from writing poems, mm -hmm. right? Yes, of course. And, uh, and, and yet, um, all they had to do was sit in the supermarket and write a poem. Well, you know, that was one of the things I was going to ask you, uh, because, you know, for some people, poetry can be so intimidating. Well, I can't write a poem. But it seems that you find a way to make it accessible to anyone, Anyone can write a poem, if you want to. You know, honestly, not everyone wants to. Like the, the guy who mows our lawn, who's a really nice guy named Paul, he, he explained to me why he hates poems, and he never wants to write one, and I don't care if he ever <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if Paul writes a poem, but I could write a poem about Paul oh, not Paul. wanting to write a poem. One of the things I, I, I wonder about is that, you know, there's the exercise of writing the poem, which is, mm -hmm. but um, the whole process can be sort of a meditation. It can be cathartic. It can be healing. Do you find that? Exactly. Do you find exactly, that? Exactly. A hundred percent. You know, I, I think 
being a writer is a fantastic exercise for anyone because you get to say something. And, you know, so many of us really want to say something. And it doesn't even matter what the something is about, you mm -hmm. know? It can be about mustard. It can be about your legislator. It can be about the environment. You, you can say anything it is you want if you give yourself the time and the permission to do it. Mm -hmm. That's really it. You know, um, I've been teaching writing for a long, long time. And uh, one of the questions students always ask is, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you write? When do you write? What's the key? And, you know, so many, uh, so many writers, many of them wonderful, have written terrific books about writing, like Stephen King and Annie Lamott. And, you know, there's scores and scores and scores of, of uh, experts who've told us how to write. And uh, really the best writing advice I ever read was in a New Yorker profile a while ago with uh, Nora Roberts, who's a wildly prolific romance writer. Yes. You know, she writes a, she writes a few books a year, yes. which is you know amazing. And the New Yorker person said to her, uh, "What's your secret? How do you do it? What's what's the way that we can all do it?" And she said, "There's only." One trick to writing, which is put your ass in the chair. And I thought, wow, I'm going to print that out and hand it out to every class I teach. You and just I, have to sit there. Yeah, I mean, I remember in Annie Lamott's book, Bird by Bird, that mm -hmm. was the advice from, I think, her dad, just handle it bird by bird. In other words, just one thing yeah. and one thing. And that's also good advice. Uh, it's wonderful advice. Is it useful to read your poems to others? Is that feedback helpful or damaging? Well, it, it depends on what they say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> last night, last night of my class at the Cairo Public Library, I I read some of my poems and they liked them. But you know, when they when they say they're terrible or they're not funny. That can be damaging. <laughs> that can be damaging. You know, my my last book of poems, uh, my last published book of poems, is called Breakfast with Allen Ginsberg. And in the book, the first poem, I tell the story of how uh, when I moved to New York many, many years ago, the person I most wanted to be was Allen Ginsberg. I loved his poems. I thought Howell was the most brilliant poem ever written and I wanted to howl too just like him and and Alan wasn't famous then I mean he was famous but you know he had no money and and the deal was that he would see anybody if he would pay for his breakfast <laughs> and you know I paid for his breakfast and um, I asked him uh, how I could become a poem, poet the way he became a poet and he said uh you are a poet, Esther Cohen. And I said, can I quote you? And he said, you have a lifetime agreement. You can quote me forever. <laughs> Alan Ginsberg says, you're a poet. And years later, maybe two years later, two and a half years later, I was teaching a workshop in uh, San Miguel de Allende, a gorgeous city in Mexico. Oh, yes, yes. Which has a lot of fantastic writing workshops. 
and there was a guy there who was a British poet uh, laureate, and he hated my poems. And he <laughs> he said to me uh, in a little seminar where we all were, he said, you know, he you know, first he explained why he hated my poems, and then he said, uh, you remind me of that poet in America, Allen Ginsberg, and I was thrilled. <laughs> I was so happy. And, and But you know, it really all depends on who's saying what, right? But yeah, absolutely. it's really nice to have the opportunity to read your poems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you do a collection of poems, because I know you've published books, um, mm-hmm. uh, do you collect them over as period of time, or do you wait for a theme? I mean, how does that work? I think everybody does it differently, and sometimes it has to do with the editor. Mm-hmm. You know, who who is it that wants to put your poems together? That I, I had a wonderful editor with a book of poems I did called God is a Tree, and he wanted the poems to be secular prayers, mm-hmm. and he organized them in that way, you know, I'm doing a book this summer called County Route 20, which is just all people who live along County Route 20, like the guy whose uncle died, um, died dying here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he lives on County Route 20. You know, people do it really differently. It's very hard to organize a book of poems, though, and I think uh, <clears throat> some people have a special gift in it. I don't have that gift. Mm-hmm. I know that you did do uh, a, a book of poems that accompanied uh, paintings. Is that right? Yes, uh, I've done that a couple of times actually, and I read a Talbot. It's a book of poems that was in an exhibit at the Brooklyn Historical Society, and the exhibit was about uh, people who immigrate to New York. But I, for twenty years, I've been doing uh, poems with a fantastic photographer named Matthew Septimus, and we do what they call prayer poems, his photos and my poems for an NPR show called On Being, and Mm -hmm. we've been doing that for many, many years, too. Mm -hmm. It's very nice to do something with another person to give it another dimension. Well, and it's like two forms of art coming together, isn't it? Exactly. Somebody sang uh, a poem of mine once at a concert in the Lower East Side, and I had to leave. The words sounded too strange. I couldn't even listen to it. Oh, interesting. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So are there... Do you write poems? Do you write poems? No, not really. Um, but I may after this interview. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> but I know, I know so many people who do. I know my daughter. Uh, writes poems. I've read some of her poems. She hasn't had anything published, but I know she loves to write poetry. Are Fantastic. There, are there any rules about writing poetry? I mean, that's one of the things that always sort of stopped me, that, you know, maybe there were rules about stanzas and beats and all this kind of stuff. I see. Well, if you like the kind of poems I do, in the Ginsburg School, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. If you write uh, a more formal kind of poem, there are rules. You know, it, it's it's all instinct, it's all intuition, and it's it's playing around with what you know all writers call voice. Mm-hmm. What is your voice, and 
what is the way in which you can get your voice to sound the most like you? Mm-hmm. How can your voice be you? Mm-hmm. And that really takes practice. And I think the other thing I think is you have to trust it. I mean, if you want to say that the moon is a rainbow and you have a teacher, a writing teacher, who thinks that the moon is only white, white maybe that's the wrong teacher for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's figuring out how you see and then how you say what you see. And for some of us, that takes a lifetime. Um, Esther, these days, what is the, uh, I don't know if you can call it the success rate, but I mean, can you make a living being a poet? No, as a poet? Yes. <laughs> I know. That's funny. <laughs> well, also as a writer these days, but. Oh, uh, uh, well, let, let me say, let me say this, but, you know, um, a very tiny percentage every year, poets and writers and the pen club and, you know, all these people that know much more about the business of writing than I do, uh, talk about the percentage of writers who make a living writing. And it's tiny, 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 you know, and I've, in my life I've known so many poets, some famous and, and most not, and they all teach or they have a job or they... They do something to pay the rent because you you can sell a poem in a very fancy magazine, which I have done, and you'll get seventy five dollars, which you know pays a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't live from it. You can teach. I mean, they're, they're, you can edit. I've been a book doctor my whole life too. I helped <laughs> people write their books since I was in high school. And, you know, that's a way to turn a living. But, but the business of words is not necessarily a, uh, a business that has a big financial valence. But it's incredibly satisfying. It's like having the capacity to paint a picture. Right, right. Well, I would imagine these days that the outlets for where you can publish your poems, just like, you know, publishing fiction, have sort of dwindled, haven't they, with the demise of so many magazines? Absolutely. There's there's a lot of online, I mean, I've published, this year I've published a lot of books online, mm-hmm. um, a lot of poems online, not books. But, you know, if they pay you, which they usually don't, mm-hmm. it's a tiny, tiny amount of money. Mm-hmm. Do you ever worry about the future of poetry? No. <laughs> you know why I don't? Human beings have loved poems from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they still do. And every year when I when I come to the country to teach poetry for National Poetry Month in April, mm-hmm. and there are always so many people of every age who want to write a poem. Mm-hmm. I think it's you know wanting like wanting to sing, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. we're we're never going to lose that. And and you know I remember uh, when I was a very young girl, TV suddenly became like a thing in the late 50s. There was TV, and everybody said, nobody's going to read books anymore. Um, I think we're always going to read books, and we're always going to write them, and we're always going to write poems. Right. I mean, We need poems. 
do you do you think that uh, poets know how to um, I don't want to say advertise themselves, but how to market themselves? I mean, is there no, not at all. social media that you need to engage with or you know reach out in some way to get your poems out there? You know, honestly, I don't know. I know that there's a um, mega successful uh, Indian woman who uh, has over a million followers named Rupi Kaur, K-A-U-R, and she wrote a book called Milk and Honey mm-hmm. that's been translated into a lot of languages, and, and she used Instagram to uh, be able to reach many, 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 many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but for the most part, you know, I don't know. I, I, I really don't, honestly, I don't understand social media much. I started doing a, um, a word novel in my handwriting that's kind of a poem mm-hmm. on Instagram. I started that this summer. But, you know, you, you don't have millions of followers. I mean, I don't know how you do that. I'm sure someone knows how to do that, but it isn't me. And I, I do think, too, that most poets have no clue how to market themselves. Well, I mean, in some ways it's almost the opposite, isn't it? Because poems exactly. are sort of personal and intimate. Exactly, exactly. And putting yourself out there with them can be a difficult exercise in many ways, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but I do think that it would be really interesting if we started more online classes for people to write poems and read each other's poems. Mm-hmm. I think that would be very very, very satisfying thing for so many people to write and be read. Well, I do know that our Poets Corner on Woman Around Town is very well read, and that's why we keep running poems in that uh, section, which includes your poems. I certainly will include links in this podcast to all of your uh, sites, including, I guess you have an Instagram account too, right? I do have an Instagram account. There you go. So we'll put that link in there so people can... I don't know anything about it, though. Do you know a lot about Instagram? Uh, Well, you know, if you run a website, you have to know about Instagram. So, Uh um, yeah, so, you know, you you try to follow people and you try to get people to follow you and you post Mm -hmm. uh, pictures and sayings and whatever. Now Mm -hmm. people are posting a lot of videos also, uh, including videos of people reading poetry. So there you go. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, You can also do that on YouTube, I think, so. Videos of people reading poetry. Yeah. I somehow I think it's it's kind of nice to have the opportunity to read the poem yourself, but but I could be wrong. You know, audio books are extremely nice. Mm-hmm. I just this year I just started listening to audio books. I listened to Trevor Noah reading his his own story, and he was fantastic. But. Most of us are not Trevor Noah. Yeah, that was a wonderful book, by the way. That was incredible. Yeah, I was so impressed with it, too. Yeah, it was a great book. Well, Esther, yeah. listen, thank you so much for this. This was this was really fun and uh, very informative. And I will make sure that we put all of your links in there. And we wonderful. Will, and we I'll put it on my Instagram page. Exactly. <laughs> 
and we do have a. I would encourage everyone who comes to Woman Around Town to go to Poets Corner, they, or they could uh, type your name in and come up with your poems. Um, which Terrific. So, and if they want to write poems themselves, they should tell us. Absolutely, absolutely. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, you're welcome, Esther. Thank you for taking the time. And again, okay. I, I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town, and we've been talking to Esther Cohen. Thank you.